0: That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. The countryside struggled to reflect itself within the glass and chrome of the van. Wherever dirt and corrosion didn't make the prospect fully impossible, yet the resulting soiled image seemed to exercise a much-needed correction to the seeming innocence of the surrounding scenery, exposing the rot that roiled behind the pristine and natural The darkness may have lifted years ago, but its residuum was nothing less than a world without compass or ballast. Mars recovered and repaired the weather-beaten vehicle from a side road on the passenger's way back to Deadwich. After the wheezing jalopy they'd driven previously spilled its rusted guts all over the road. They'd lost an entire day locating a serviceable replacement. I think the elephant in the rust bucket ought to be called out, don't you think, Lynn? Keith suggested, speaking from the gloom of the back seat.
2: Yeah, our beneficent masters knew far more than they were telling.
0: Lynn responded from the passenger seat, not looking back.
2: But that's hardly an elephant at this point. More a mouse on the dash, really.
0: If that yammering corpse had taken over Eric... Mars shook his head in dismay, exhaling cigarette smoke as he gunned the vehicle down the darkening road. What a shit show that would have been. Please, Mars, you're not fooling anyone, Keith countered, laughing. You'd relish the chance, and so would he, or rather, it. Mars said nothing, looking back at his fellow passenger through the rearview mirror a lopsided grin lifting the corners of his lips. Lynn processed the exchange through her void sense, shaking her own head before returning her attention beyond the window. Her awareness soared, rummaging through thousands of skulls, crawling beneath as many skins. They approached the end of the woodland and glimpsed the thunderheads towering over them like mercurial mountains furious with wind and lightning. The thunder and wind struck at them with seeming intent, forcing Mars to tighten his grip upon the wheel as Keith leaned into the front seat to marvel at the incoming storm. Lynn absorbed the spectacle from all angles, assessing its impact on their momentum, feeling its surge through hawk feathers and deerskin alike. She felt the near-cyclonic wind snap the stoutest trees, and the lightning lashed the forest canopy to smoldering matchsticks.
2: This is a bad one. Might be time to look for alternative routes.
0: Lynn was often mistaken as a woman of few words, fast-tracking to the heart of the matter. In truth, she was just more enamored by the glittering jewels she'd snatched from the eyes of the world. Jewels that always tumbled into the nothingness within her. She was determined to watch them fall for as long as she was able. Mars turned down a road that seemed like it might veer around the storm, but it quickly shot downward, delivering the group into a narrow channel where it all but forgot that it had ever been a road. The thickness of the encroaching brush and entanglement of overhanging branches gave the impression they were spiraling through a dark green infinity. The storm tore large gashes in the canopy as they went, reaching down with thunder and wind and rain. Mars felt an instinctual pull towards the sky, a primal need rising within him to battle the storm that howled threats and hurled lightning. The man who lived by violence alone grit his teeth and accelerated unconsciously, making the van roar down the choked path.
2: Jesus, Mars, slow down!
0: Lynn scolded.
2: You're going to cost us another vehicle if you're not careful.
0: She knew her words were pointless. His senses had become a blur again. When all you have is a hammer, even storms look like nails. I suppose," Keith mused, unfazed as the van barreled up a hill, casting him back into his seat. The forest canopy parted, and the road began to reclaim itself from the overgrown margins. A small town emerged, rising from the brakes and hummocks piling itself higher and higher the farther it went along. At its apex, an old clock tower seemed to search the grey-vaulted skies for the vanished sun. The small metal sign they passed read, Welcome to Curious Forest.
2: Before you decide it's a good idea to leap out the window to catch lightning in your teeth, why don't we stop here and treat ourselves to a real meal?
0: Lynn supposed, the grumbling in her stomach a near match for the growling from the storm. ''Somehow I don't think they'll have what I want on the menu,'' Mars griped to himself. Still, he was already pulling the van off the road, hugging the curb near a street shop called Curio's from the Curious Forest. ''I'm sure that winning personality of yours will earn you a meal somewhere, oh boy,'' Keith said, casually opening the door into the storm's fury. Undead conglomerations, raging storms, and even cantankerous war gods were no match for his nonchalance. To the conductor, the world had to be hung on a joke, and it needed to stay there. Despite the brutality of the storm, while somewhat weakened, it still drenched the valley in unrelenting rain. The passengers strolled through the downpour, undiminished and straight of spine, their heavy coats waving like flags on steadfast steel poles. The lane they followed was lined with small stores selling the wares of the curious woods, restaurants advertising locally celebrated cuisine, and occasional landings abutting rickety stairs that wound upwards into a menagerie of overhanging catwalks. Notwithstanding the outwardly welcoming tone of the place, which, like the passengers themselves, persisted even despite conditions, there clung to everything a strange aspect, something ever-present but not accounted for. Naturally, it was Lynn who first noticed the abnormality, but she chose to keep the inkling to herself until something might come from the telling of it. The last restaurant on the lane was the most lavish, and the group was looking to binge. So they found themselves entering The Last Stag, a comparatively large and well-decorated eatery, even sporting a jutting promontory filled with large windows that faced the woods where it marched solemnly up the distant hillside. Once shown to their table by a thin woman with thick strokes of grey leaking into the honey of her hair, Keith addressed his fellows. The "'Little jewels one misses, until they've skirted the beaten path, eh?' "'Why, we've come and gone through these hills quite a few times now, and never once heard or seen anything about this curious forest. How curious indeed, yes?' He giggled at his own wordplay.
2: It's just a small town, Keith. The hills are filled with them.
0: Lynn almost felt like she was baiting the strangeness she detected earlier, calling it out by denying the specter of its presence. Well, regardless, Keith continued, undeterred. Here's to Mars, his willingness to face down windmills. Uh, of course, I mean windstorms. For without his unbridled bellicosity, we would be all much the hungrier, if a bit drier. To Mars! He was alone in raising his glass of water, drawing more than a few looks by the only other patrons, a couple of women seated in one of the distant corners away from the windows. Mars ignored his companion, instead asking, What do you want, Lynn? The scent-stealer waited for Mars's eyes to scan the menu so she could decide. Moments later, the waitress returned, and Keith ordered the largest omelette they offered. Lynn and Mars each had the cordon bleu, and all of them ordered red wine.
2: It'll be nice to drink without Eric saying something patronizing,
0: Lynn offered before being received of her glass. Mars, as was his custom with all food and drink, timed his consumption with Lynn's. She couldn't taste a thing without someone to do the tasting for her, and since Mars didn't require food or drink... Of the normal variety at least, he offered up his unbusied insides for her enjoyment. No sooner had the first swig of wine passed his lips than Lynn's taste buds bristled in response. She smiled her gratitude, momentarily caught off guard by the wine's exuberance. Mars only nodded, repressing a grin. He was rarely caught off guard. Yes, but I do miss him, I think, Keith mused, chuckling between long pulls of wine. Just Eric, I mean, not the other one. Although I must confess that the old monster does get me to laughing sometimes.
2: That thing disgusts me,
0: Lynn stated.
2: What it did to those men back in Dismith still doesn't sit well with me.
0: She was just talking to throw off whatever was listening to them. It was somewhere beneath the floor. She tried to focus her void sense on it, but there was a tricky diffuseness about it. A propensity to gather beneath the pull of her inner oblivion and then scatter. It was like holding a magnifying glass up to a mirage. They did kill him, my dear, Heath countered. One might say that they had it coming, yes? He heard the thing from below, too. Its movements, however slight, created sounds that were as obvious to him as the thunder outside. The conductor's next words were shielded from all but his companions. "'Now, I'll not take one step away from this table until I've finished with my meal. Do you two understand that?' He could tell by Lynn's expression that she already knew about the intrusion, but Mars perked up at what might be coming next. "'Anyway, we've company from below. In the wine cellar would be my guess.' Mars folded the cloth napkin he'd placed across his lap, set it aside, and pushed his chair away from the table. Looks like they might have something on the menu for me after all.
1: Hold up. What was that?